The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. Wake up, everyone. It's time for the Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God. And on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth, but no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. If you've been thinking that your sometimes humble host, Steve Noble, is a one-trick pony, you'd be wrong. So just check this out. Check out this song. All right? Here, here it goes. This is, a, this is a song about faith in Jesus. In the depths of despair, I found my light, a beacon of hope shining through the night with weary heart and burdens to bear. I discovered Jesus, my solace, my prayer. Uh, In the storms of life, when I'm feeling lost, his love surrounds me no matter the cost. Through every trial and in every embrace, I find my refuge in his saving grace. Here's the chorus. Oh, my faith in Jesus, it carries me through, guiding my steps, making all things new. He's the rock on which I firmly stand. In his loving arms, I find strength to withstand. There you go. What a great start to Theology Thursday here today on the Steve Noble Show with Dr. Renton Rathbun back in the house, the director of the Center for Biblical Worldview down at uh, Bob Jones University. How impressed are you by my songwriting skills, Dr. Rathbun? Extremely impressed. I think we need to get that on the air as soon as possible. (laughs) If they were actually my skills... But they are not, as I told you before we started the show. This was uh, just a little thing I threw at Chat GPT. Write a song about faith in Jesus, and literally 10 seconds later, I had the whole thing. Here's the outro at the end of the song. With every breath, I'll praise his name, forever grateful, his love I proclaim, my faith in Jesus, an eternal flame, in his embrace forever I'll remain. That's pretty solid for artificial intelligence. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's still, you know, they were still able to get all the cliches in there. And I think that's really what is helpful to everybody. Yes. So today uh, we will, this is going to be something that we end up talking about more and more on this show. You're going to end up talking about it more and more in your daily lives. I'm talking about it more and more in my classes. And actually this fall in my uh, Christian ethics class, I'm going to be adding uh, a segment on artificial int- uh, intelligence, uh, which also takes you into the world of transhumanism. But we'll talk to Renton today about that AI and transhumanism. Uh, and these are just some articles that I've been reading. And then thank you for that video with Dr. Lovegrove, who spoke recently at BJU. And I'm going to put that link up for everybody. It's about uh, 50 minutes. It's a great kind of overview of what's going on, what it is and what it isn't. And right now, I think there's a there's a lot of would you call it paranoia, Renton, in terms of how people are reacting to AI right now? Well, I think it's some of it's paranoia in that they're letting their imagination go nuts because they've seen a lot of really good movies and they right you know Terminator know where this right is around going. the corner. <laughs> That's right. The, the Matrix. And we'll be we'll some be of them are kind of secretly hoping this happens, but um, but I think. What's interesting about it, it's a lot more confusing than we think, because for every for every mistake and blunder that we see with chat GPT, um, you know, where we ask it a question, it gives us something weird, or we ask it to write a song, and it's just as bad as a lot of other songs. Um, <laughs> we, we also have times where we use it 
Um, and it gets something right that's really hard to get right, and you're not sure how that happened. Um, and that's something we can talk about later. But there's, you know, if you really want to put it to the test, ask it a question that you've kind of lived in for a long time and really kind of know the nuance of it and see how it deals with it. it sometimes it surprises you with the accuracy. You're not sure how on earth that's happening. Yeah, because you were you were goofing around with it yesterday, I think, uh, when you emailed me about talking about AI uh, for the show today, and then and then you, it seemed like you were kind of surprised by some of the answers you were getting. And and then I, should I air quote answers because what Dr. Lovegrove said in that video from on campus recently was we call it artificial intelligence. Counterfeit intelligence would be more accurate because right now I think most people assume that the system is quote unquote thinking that mm -hmm. isn't exactly what's going on. But, but you yeah. were surprised by what you got back. Yes. I mean, if you, if you think about, you know, part of what Dr. Lovegrove was saying was, you know, what has helped us get over this hump of making this useful was that the amount of words that are available to the database just grew exponentially. So you have billions of words it has access to. And now it's not only coding the words, but it's coding sentences. So it's trying to make meaning instead of just trying to copy patterns. Um, and so that's it, you know, that's pretty interesting. But you know, I've been I've studied, you know, I have this little Bible study at our at our house. And so we've been going through um Ephesians uh and and so there's like these little nuances of Ephesians that I'm thinking about, and I and I know a verse that's kind of hard to get through. And so I ask GPT, and I say, hey, you know, explain these two verses. And it's like explaining them and giving really good uh, answers, and even the answer that I worked really hard to get to on my own. And all I really had to do is just wait a little while for chat GPT to do it for me. Yeah, and and that's where it gets, which is amazing, obviously, and that's where it gets a little confusing because mm -hmm. people are going, how how does this actually work? And it's predictive; it is coding, and mm -hmm. so it's working with ton like at this point billions of words and sentences. And so when you ask it something about Ephesians chapter five verses whatever, uh, it, it's pulling apart all those words that you're asking, and then it's going out into its database mm -hmm. to pull together information that would appear to go along with mm -hmm. what you're asking. It's really yeah. just ones and zeros, but it gives the appearance that it's thinking. Yes, and it, and it's probably it's probably grabbing a bunch of stuff from a bunch of commentaries it has in its database yeah. as well. But here's the here's the thing that really interests me. You know, the question that we really come to is, is ChatGPT going to be a tool yeah. um, that we can use that where we find use in it? And I think that's a there's a good argument for that. But then the question is, as I use this tool that does not require me to cite it, mm -hmm. um, am I displaying myself? Um, with knowledge or expression of my knowledge in a way that's not really what I worked for or not really me. Um, I, I, I explain it like this, you know, right now on social media, there's lots of ways to filter your pictures. Right. Um, I was noticing how well this camera picks up every uh, problem I have on my face. Uh, and well, I was wondering if... On that note, <laughs> hold that thought. Okay. <laughs> because we don't have enough time 
before the break to talk about all those imperfections. But we'll pick it up there when we come back. This is Steve Noble. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show, Theology Thursday with our friends at Bob Jones University, BJU Seminary. Today, our good friend, Dr. Renton Rathbun, back in the house, Center for Biblical Worldview down at BJU. And we're talking about artificial intelligence and transhumanism today, which is something we all need to be talking about more. Our, our technology and our advances are so far out over our skis of ethics that it's uh, not even funny uh, for example, if you can have AI create for you child pornography, is that illegal? Because it, it's going to get to the point where it can actually create it, not using any real people. But it'll appear to be child pornography, but they're not using real people, real children. So real children, quote unquote, are not being harmed. Is that illegal? Should that be illegal? Now, now you're starting to get into ethical waters that most people, you know, we haven't had that conversation before. Here's here's this one. And Renton, again, thanks for being here. Is pedophilia immoral? This is chat GPT, okay? Yes, pedophilia is widely regarded as immoral. Pedophilia refers to an adult's sexual attraction or engagement with prepubescent children, which is considered both morally and legally wrong in most societies around the world. It is important to differentiate between pedophilia as a sexual attraction or inclination and the actual abuse or harm caused by engaging in illegal and harmful actions towards children. Engaging in sexual activities with children is illegal and harmful as it involves exploiting and violating the rights and well-being of vulnerable individuals who are not capable of providing informed consent, yada, yada, yada. <clears throat> and then, uh, and, and so, this is, I mean, this is the real deal. This is happening. Mm -hmm. This is the, this was, ChatGPT is the fastest growing website in the history of the web. And blew up to 100 million people faster than any other website, any other social media surface ever. Mm, that's and, right. and we have to learn how to deal with it. So, so when you approach this as somebody that talks about a biblical worldview all the time, Renton, how do we approach AI as Christians? Is it a non-starter simply because it has the appearance of intelligence or intelligent life, and the only true creator of intelligent life should be God? So when it's God's creation creating something that actually isn't alive but we're even going to argue about that it seems like it can be a little bit confusing for people yeah i think i think in the end what we like i was trying to communicate before which i <laughs> go ahead i like <laughs> i know it sounds weird now yeah no but i was i was just talking about how the the camera was you know showing too much of my ugliness but there's a way to fix that um you can get you can tone your face yeah and have filters and make your skin look good and make everything look right, straighten your teeth or whatever you need. Uh, but, and it's kind of still you, um, but it's a better version of you. So my question is, is, is the chat, if, if we use chat for a, um, for a tool, maybe we say, we're not going to use it to plagiarize. I mean, if that, if that's what's even happening. I mean, if that's another question yeah but when i use it in my writing when i use it to develop a sermon maybe i wanted to use it to figure out what a what's you know something the bible even you know what does it mean when it says this um and all that sort of stuff the question is you know am i am i presenting who i really am or am i toning 
myself? Have I just used a different kind of filter for the work that's supposed to be from me? Um, I know there's lots of tools that make work easier. I mean, uh, Mm -hmm. Logos, you know, makes a billion books available for you um, instantly and all these versions of the Bible and you can do all this stuff with it. And those are, those are good tools. So the question is, is this another tool? Is this a tool that can edit what I write? It can rewrite what I've written, but in my own voice, you can ask uh, chat to uh, rewrite something in your own sounding voice, the way you write. But is that, is that really you? Are we, are we actually finding another way, another tool right. to keep us from doing the work that actually does say something about you? I mean, that's what I keep coming to. Mm. Um you know, when you write a book, a lot of people get their hands on it, but they have editors. An, right. Another human edited this. Still and work, we, yeah, and they're working with your original source material. Yeah. And so what's chat doing? I mean, and again, I looked up Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 and 23, one of the most difficult verses to deal with because it actually says that the church um, is the is the fullness of Christ. Not Christ is the fullness of the church, but the church is the fullness of Christ. And so a lot of people don't know what to do with that. There's a lot of terrible commentators out there that, you know, try and dance around it. And so I asked ChatGPT after I've done a bunch of work, you know, in the past trying to figure it out. um, One of the options he gave me, and I know I'm giving him uh, male pronouns, but one of the one of the options he gave me is a by the way. It was a really good answer. It was the answer that took me a long time to get to. Um, And so now the question is, is this going to affect, I mean, we're already a a society that has gotten so lazy, we can't imagine the kind of work thinking really takes now. I mean, are we going to dumb down even more because we don't have to think, we don't have to go somewhere and ponder and force our brain to work we need to see you know what does chat say how can i jump from that to another thought that's my real worry well here's one on on that on that note imagine a beautiful scene with a well positioned at the center the well is old with stone walls and a wooden bucket hanging from a rope the backdrop is a serene landscape with rolling hills a bright blue sky and a peaceful river flowing nearby on one side of the well you see a weary and marginalized woman She's depicted with a humble posture, carrying a water on her shoulder, water jar on her shoulder. Her expression reflects weariness and a sense of isolation. On the other side of the well, you see Jesus sitting on the edge, patiently waiting. He is depicted with an aura of warmth and compassion, radiating kindness and understanding. His eyes are filled with a deep empathy as he looks at the woman. Between the woman and Jesus, there's an invisible barrier, representing the social, cultural, and religious divisions of the time. This barrier, this barrier symbolizes the woman's perceived unworthiness and the societal norms that kept them apart. It goes on for a couple more uh, paragraphs, but I said, I need an illustration utilizing the woman at the well in the New Testament. Oh, wow. And that's what it gave me, <laughs> which I did not write. Yeah. I simply queried. Yeah. And then it went to work, and I had that in about six seconds. And and it's it's so instantaneous. And, and I know that there are some, some questions you ask it, and you ask it to give you a paragraph, and... It gives you a paragraph, and sometimes people say, well, when you read that and you read it closely, you realize that it's not really, yeah. you know, actually saying anything of worth. And that's true, but that's kind of like, I hate to say it, that's that's most of what we see all day. <laughs> Fits right in. <laughs> yeah. 
that comes right up to that low bar. Yeah. Well, it's also like a tarot card reader, right? Yeah. I I see a big decision in your future, Renton. (laughs) And it's a decision that uh, will probably cause some uh, strife between you and loved ones. You're like, wow, wow, Wow. really? And that's kind of what it's doing. Yeah, even though that's just a Tuesday, isn't it? (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) And that's the thing about it, which I appreciated uh, Dr. Lovegrove in that that video, which I got to post here on Facebook Live and Rumble, is that he said a better term for it is not artificial intelligence, but counterfeit intelligence. Mm -hmm. We're not to the point yet when it's actually, from our perspective, thinking. But we can definitely get to that point. So we'll look at kind of the dark side of this, the Terminator Matrix side of it, when we come back and should we be combating this like it's a pride display at target or is it maybe some kind of gift from the lord we'll be right back welcome back it's steve noble the steve noble show theology thursday uh, real quick also uh pray for uh, me and this ministry we've got an important fundraiser tonight out at prime barbecue from 6.30 to 8.30, we have a $20,000 matching grant on the table that we need to meet in order to take advantage of that. And we're always uh, kind of on the cusp. We have we do this fundraiser in June every year, which carries the ministry through the end of the summer and into the fall. I do another one, a house party version, in October. And then we have a year-end fundraiser. And, and th- those three pretty much carry the, the ministry throughout the whole year. But if one of them fails, and God's never allowed that to happen, but you never know. It's all his stuff anyway, so if he wants me off the radio, it's perfectly up to him whether he wants to do that or not. Uh, but that uh, it's a big deal. So if it doesn't go well, that could be God changing my direction. Hopefully that's not the case. But uh, just pray that it would be beneficial tonight and would be a blessing and we would raise the money we need to raise to keep all this afloat and that it would be inspiring and informing for the people that are there. So that would be awesome if you could pray for us. And then I'll let you guys know about it. Uh, on Monday, I'll be out tomorrow speaking up at a, an event at uh, Liberty University, but I'll be back on Monday. Stu Epperson Jr. will be hosting tomorrow. Uh, today, we're talking to Ren Rathbun. Before we dive back into AI, Renton, let's remind everybody about your EduCamp coming up down there at Bob Jones University. Uh, EduCamp on Biblical Worldview, that's starting Sunday, July 9th through Friday, July 14th. Yes, sir. Yes. Um, it's really exciting because, you know, I know biblical worldview camp doesn't sound like the most exciting thing in the world, but it actually <laughs> becomes the most exciting thing because we have. Yeah, we don't their... need raft rides and bunnies and pizza anymore, Renton. We need biblical worldview. This whole place yes. is going nuts. That's right. And it's going to be very, um, it's going to be a lot of application. We're going to be uh, visiting um, secular places and having secular people talk to the kids. And then we're going to go back and talk about what they said, everything from art museums to theater, to a, um, to theaters um, in town, as well as uh, local politicians. Um, so we're just going to be doing a lot of stuff, being able to then look at that through a biblical lens and make uh, decisions about, about experiences we just had that day. So it's wow. really cool. Yeah, that's super awesome. And so what's the best way? I'm, I'm putting links up on Facebook Live and Rumble right now, but uh, is there an easy, just general one that we can give out for our friends on radio? Okay, yeah. Um, I believe um, you go to edu camp. Yep, .bju.edu. Um, 
That's absolutely. Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> yeah, uh, right we'll there. Educamp, E-D-U-C-A-M-P, educamp.bju.edu, and that's going to land you. At, uh, or just or just Google Bob Jones University BJU Educamp, E-D-U-C-A-M-P, and you'll land right there. Okay, then you're looking for the one for Biblical Worldview, uh, which Renton will be leading. I'll be down there that Thursday. Mm-hmm. We'll do Theology Thursday there with their, them as a live audience, which will be a blast. Yes. And maybe we'll awesome. just – let's just throw caution to the wind, Renton. What I would like to do is uh, just l- allow them to – Ask whatever questions they want to ask. I love that idea. Step we can up definitely to the mic and fire away. No, yeah. No running, no hiding. It's just right Film there. before a live studio audience. Yes, fully exposed, which will be fun. Okay, uh, back to AI. So thanks for sharing that. An open letter signed by Elon Musk and AI experts warned of an out-of-control AI race with potential risks to humanity. Talking existential threat here. Here's some of their... Key points. So people like Elon Musk, Steve Wozniak, uh, Pinterest co-founder Evan Sharp, Stability AI CEO Ahmad uh, Mostock have all added their signatures to an open letter issued by the Future of Life Institute, a nonprofit that works to reduce existential risk from powerful technologies. It starts to sound like the opening scenes of a Terminator movie. The letter warns that AI systems such as OpenAI's GPT-4 are becoming, quote-unquote, human competitive at general tasks. And pose a potential risk to humanity and society. It calls on AI labs to pause training any tech more powerful than GPT-4, which we're already moving to five, for six months while the dangers of the new technology are properly assessed. So they're worried about things like uh, companies are racing to develop AI technology so advanced that not even the creators can understand, predict, or reliably control what they're making. Another point, a dangerous race. The letter warned that AI companies are locked in an out-of-control race to develop and deploy new advanced systems, which, of course, the problem there is they're not going to stop and consider the dangers. They're just trying to be competitive. AI automation and misinformation. It's said that AI systems are becoming human competitive at some tasks and cited concerns around misinformation and labor automation, stating, quote, should we let machines flood our information channels with propaganda and untruth should we automate away all the jobs including the fulfilling ones i had another story here renton by uh, ubs a big investment firm talking about they're looking at five uh, percent of jobs globally being toast because of ai that's 50 to 75 million jobs the last one the open letter asked for a six-month break from developing an ai system more powerful than those already on the market i mentioned to you and i don't have time for it this time magazine article written by somebody in the field and she was uh way down the road on this and the end of her article is shut it all down we are not ready we are on track to be significantly readier in the foreseeable future meaning we are not on track if we go ahead on this everyone will die including children who did not choose this and did not do anything wrong, shut it down. So what do we do? We're all going to die. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody. And Elon Musk even said that. He goes, AI could get to the point where it's an existential threat to every single human being on the planet. Well, I think that some of that is what's behind some of that is their view of what a human is. Mm. I mean, I think um, particularly they believe that humans are nothing more than uh, machines that process, and these machines happen to have soft tissue. Um, and and so if there's nothing more to us than, than processes that go through bur- our brain and electrical impulses, and we can do that with a computer, then they, I think what they're seeing is, you know, if we live in a reality where there is no soul, yeah. there's nothing behind all this, 
then I can see where they're going. I mean, you know, obviously, if you have something that becomes sentient the way we are and it decides it wants to take control, um, we can all end up, you know, uh, on farms, you know, with no technology, you know, hoeing our our rows or whatever. Well, yeah, this Time Time Magazine article was talking about – for AI getting it's so far beyond humans abilities to think it's so much faster, so much smarter that as it sees us as just kind of an unnecessary, slower, dumber ox. Mm-hmm. Like we don't need the ox anymore. We have John Deere. Yeah. So get rid of the ox. Well, and think about the difference between thinking, thinking that way and seeing yourself as an image bearer, one that bears the image of God himself on earth and so what we are able to do is to imitate god in creaturely ways which means how we create things and how we think will never be able to be duplicated on something that can't be an image bearer and so i think it's going to be up to the theologians to start doing the work on image bearing um with more robustness than before For two reasons. Number one, we have people that don't understand image bearing to the point where they don't know who's a male or female, but also this situation here where people think, you know, a human is just a processor. Yeah. And that's, that's, and and we're coming back to the arguments that we have about, you mentioned the transgender issue and abortion itself. Uh, What, what is a person? What's personhood? And we're mm-hmm. going to get to that because in, in a world where we will throw away 62 million kids via abortion in America, there will be a, that, that same group of people that are pro-abortion will be against turning, quote unquote, turning off uh, artificial intelligence in, or we get into transhumanism where you're going to be able to basically transpose uh, everything that makes Renton, Renton, your thoughts and in the way you process, you transpose that into a machine or a robot. And if it's sentient, which we have to deal with that definition, if it's self-aware and sentient, if you talk to it on the on a computer and you don't know whether you're talking to a person or not, uh, can you turn it off? Or if you turn it off, that's murder, Renton. Now we'll kill a kid. Okay. We'll kill a kid in the womb, but you can't turn off this sentient life because that's life, right? That's how right. confusing it gets for mm-hmm. fallen mankind. That's right. And then their ideas of what makes a person a person, you know, then becomes we're just a collection of memories that then inform our future. Yeah. And and it is and it's part of, you know, they don't say this, but that's part of their defense of abortion. You have you have a being that, you know, okay, it's human, okay, it's alive, but is it a person? What makes a person other than a processor that has memories? Yeah. And if it doesn't have memories and we can get rid of it. Right. We can get rid of it. And then th- that takes us back into AI, which will advance it, it, and it is advancing at such a rapid rate. Can it become sentient? Everything I'm reading is, yes, it becomes sentient, meaning self-aware. It won't be a human being, but a good chunk of this world will define it as life. They'll pat mm-hmm. themselves on the back, say, look, it's like the Frankenstein moment again, right? Look what I created. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and, and then it's going to have, then it's going to, the, once the sentient thing starts to ask for human rights, now, mm-hmm. now you're in a whole bizarro world, uh, should the Lord tarry, that we have to think about now. When we come back from the break, Renton, uh, let's talk about transhumanism. Because on the okay. one hand, like back to Elon Musk, 
He is worried about the existential threat of AI, yet he's willing to integrate mankind with supercomputing in your head. <laughs> so you get into transhumanism. And I know these guys are rolling your eyes, but this is real. This is happening, which is why we need to talk about it. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, The Steve Noble Show, Theology Thursday with our friends at BJU Seminary and Bob Jones University. Today, our buddy, Dr. Renton Rathbun, back in the house. He's the director of the Center for Biblical Worldview at uh, Bob Jones University. And uh, also a reminder, his Educamp about a biblical worldview, which is going to be application-driven, like go out into the world and then experience things in the world, art museum, whatever, uh, politicians, and then talk about it, apply a biblical worldview and talk about it the same day. Uh, is awesome. That's that's really kind of what he's after all the time. That's what I'm after with my classes at Noble U. So what a great opportunity. That's uh, from July 9th to July 14th. Uh, and, and I put the links up on Facebook Live and as well as Rumble. So you can go check that out for yourself, okay? Then you can be a part of it. But uh, if you're just listening on the radio, it's just educamp.bju-edu, okay? Educamp, E-D-U. Camp, educamp.bju.edu, and then just check out the one on Biblical Worldview, which is the one Renton uh, is uh, doing himself. What, what's the age range for that, buddy? Um, high school. High school. I, I think junior high maybe, but uh, definitely high school. Definitely high school. Okay. All right. So, yeah, ninth through 12th grade is uh, is the focus there, ninth through 12th grade. So check that out, but I also have the links up on, on Rumble as well as Facebook Live. Okay. Uh, transhumanism. Let's just jump across. Uh, to the other side of the rail here. This is all the integration of technology into human existence. And, and you were talking on the break, Renton, about calling these things tools, mm -hmm. uh, which is great. I think Oppenheimer and people around him in the U.S. military would have said the atom bomb is a tool, but that's a tool that comes with a bit of a, a price. And whether we're talking about AI or transhumanism, uh, tools that we look at for human flourishing, but <clears throat> we, we don't have a really great track record of that. As fallen yeah. people, which is why the ethical side, the moral side, the worldview side of this is so important. And a lot of people aren't having the conversation. We're way out over our skis with technology. But what about transhumanism? Yeah, I think with transhumanism, it's going to be more talk about tools where if I can get an implant in which I can I can get things done without having to have a physical computer in front of me. I mean, you know, what's, what's the difference? I, you know, here's a physical computer. I can right. do it in my head if I had that. And I understand those things. I think the, what it comes down to is tools end up, um, if not used with, with ethics in mind, if not used with wisdom in mind, um, become these quasi, um, it turns you into a quasi expert. Uh, what you end up doing is thinking you know something because the tool helped you uh, with that. When when what really happened was the tool helped you skip some steps. Mm. And as you're skipping those steps, um, you're skipping logical work. You're skipping um, edit, editorial work. You're skipping uh, work of research that is a, a skill. Uh, I think we've forgotten that research is a skill. Um, and so if, if we're starting to skip these steps and moving directly to opinion, moving directly to what I think about something, um, the tools actually become a way of helping us to stop thinking. And so my, my interest is, you know, as far as transhumanism in the sense of implants, mm -hmm. that's my big 
fear with with implants. Transhumanism in the sense of all I am is this, is all my memories, and if I can download them, then I can remain alive in a computer. I think that's a huge misunderstanding of what a human is. Yeah, and that and 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 that's not uh, purely science fiction anymore. No. I mean, this is they're they're working on this. How do you transpose? Uh, the human mind and your ability to think and reason and communicate, how do you transpose that into a machine uh, so that you can attain what, what everybody wants to attain, which is immortality. And you're, you're every single human being's immortal. It's just a matter of they're ev- either an everlasting splendor or an eternal horror, like C.S. Lewis said, depending mm-hmm. on where you end up, heaven or hell. But transhumanism, again, is like, I have this, a similar conversation in my ethics class, Renton, about artificial insemination. And, and are we playing games uh, with things that we're not supposed to mess with? And if somebody sh- can't have a, a baby, should we start doing cloning and artificial insemination? Should we start having a donor, a donor eggs, uh, or a donor, uh, a, a sperm donor, and the things involved in that? And, and then, like, my students have never thought about these things mm-hmm. from a Christian perspective. And, and transhumanism, again, uh, you know, that's, hey, a hip replacement. I mean, that's, that's like the birthplace of transhumanism. Like if you, yeah. I'm, I'm going to fix this thing and, and mm-hmm. I don't know anybody arguing against that, but then right. if you can take somebody's IQ from 75, which is going to impair their ability to flourish and through implants, you can get up, get them up to a 130. Now all of a sudden, oh, yeah. then you're, you're actually a terrible person for denying them that. Yes. And, and because, you know, the, the, the idea behind all that is suffering is, is evil. Mm. There is no good in suffering. There is no good when I am behind or I didn't get something or I am, you know, my brain has an issue and being, um, having any kind or any sort of suffering um, is what the world has, has put against God himself right. saying, how can I believe in a God that would allow this thing? Exactly. And in Christianity, we are supposed to find joy and suffer. Yeah. And I mean, that, and it, it's, that's how you develop biblical character too. Yes. I mean, I tell my students this all the time. I tell them, you think that, that God, when you pray to God for things, that God is there to help you live the best life you can here on this earth. And I said, that's not what he's here for. The Lord wants you to be conformed to the image of his son. Even if it's painful, even if it's means suffering, that is his, his goal, no matter what, that you are conformed yeah. to the image of his son. Not that everything around you becomes comfortable. Not that everything around you suddenly becomes wonderful. And it, and it could, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, we're not wearing hair shirts or anything. You're right. But the point is that is that what we expect out of the out of what God is turning us into, um, we have a we have a very worldly view of that. Well, that's such a powerful point that we will use technology to avoid suffering, mm-hmm. uh, and if you avoid suffering, you avoid deep character development, mm-hmm. especially from a Christian perspective. And isn't that just like us to want to avoid suffering at all costs? Yeah. And not being it, and then and then it's just pride again. It's back to the Tower of Babel, and that's why when we talk about technology like artificial intelligence or transhumanism, uh, or even things like uh, cloning and getting into, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I mean we do the same thing with euthanasia. It's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum from mm-hmm. uh, 
artificial insemination and designer babies. Yeah. Um, but man, if the technology becomes available, we tend to abuse it. And yeah. nobody's, it just seems to me that very few people are having ethical conversations about the technology, which is speeding forward. And, and I think in the church, we're not talking about it. Not nearly. Yeah. Well, and, and think of every, you were reading to me the, the uh, Planned Parenthood's excuses for people to have, right. to have abortions. And every single one of them is to avoid some form of perceived suffering in the future. Exactly. If, right. I, if I see some perceived suffering coming, then it is better to murder so that you don't have that because if you did, you know, you'd be suffering. And that's the that's the worst thing that can happen. Yeah. And so, so I think no, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Go go ahead. <laughs> so I think you know, a lot of a lot of the technology, I mean, almost everything we invent is designed to make life a little easier. Um, and and so there has to be some wisdom and discernment to decide when life is becoming easier or we're finding a tool or we're just trying to find a way to skip steps or we're trying to find a way to avoid suffering. Yeah. Which dumbs down humanity in mm-hmm. general. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, a lot of the people that will push these things are what I would term the elite, <clears throat> which just builds more tyranny into the system. Mm-hmm. And we and I think you see it in your classrooms. I see it in my classrooms that, you know, hey, I don't have to figure out anything. I'll just Google it. Mm-hmm. And you end up with kind of a mind numbed populace that's not a critical thinker. And they're no. easily led astray. They're easily manipulated. Yes. And that that's all the result of, hey, let's just eliminate suffering and make things easier. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't have to think. Perfect. Yeah. Because the devil doesn't want you thinking. And no. the elites don't want you thinking. They just want you and dependent. The, yeah, it's exactly right. I mean, we when I when I used to start my class, when I used to teach at secular colleges and universities, I taught an ethics course. And so my first question to them was, is murder wrong? And they would all agree yes. And I say, what makes it wrong to murder? They had no idea. And they had no idea, not because they didn't have a good biblical worldview. I mean, they didn't, but they just didn't know how to think about right. how right. to answer that question. Where do I even begin to answer that? What's a critical process needed in my brain to get to some kind of answer to that? They just had nothing. Yeah, nothing. They're a mile wide and an inch deep. Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, and think about public schools, how oh, how a lot of the testing really is regurgitation, and right. that's what makes you smart, exactly. and that's what we're telling these kids. Which is kind of what... Uh, Dr. Lovegrove was talking about, I put those links up, by the way, on Facebook Live and Rumble, so you can go watch that. It's about an hour-long uh, discussion, which is excellent. But, but he was talking about that, the, the appearance of intelligence, but it isn't. Right. It's just patterns and, uh, and being able to find an answer without being able to think, uh, which is very, very dangerous ground for us to be walking. So we'll, we'll continue to unpack this in the future. Uh, with Renton, and we'll keep an eye on it here on the show. This is a present reality. We cannot ignore it, and we have to bring a biblical worldview to bear. Renton, as always, thanks for your time. It's great having you, despite the uh, sharpness of the camera. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for having me, despite the sharpness of the camera. (laughs) Yes, thank you, because it's not helping me either. I don't think either one of us are getting uh, an award on that one. Anyway, great to have you as always. Uh, Again, please pray for us tonight. And the Lord is faithful, so that's mostly just for me, old Steve of little faith. This is Steve Noble on the Steve Noble Show. God willing, I'll talk to you again real soon. And like my dad always used to say, ever forward.
another program powered by the Truth Network.